Good morning. I'd like to start by thanking those from our community who took part in our Acts 2 reading, Shia, Jorge, Chris, Damian, Appendo, Darren, Rema, and Arena. The languages you heard today were from Nigeria, Peru, France, Tanzania, Norway, Russia, Ukraine, and Israel. Because today we remember in the story of the Pentecost that through Jesus' saving work, the Holy Spirit has been poured out for all of them in every language. The day we celebrate today, Pentecost, is about the global scope of God's redeeming love in Jesus Christ. I grew up singing the song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And growing up with that, it seemed like a no-brainer to me that the God who created the world would love all the varieties of people in it, people of every color, every tribe, every race who speak every language. But it really was Pentecost that made that truth crystal clear to Jesus' disciples. Up to this point, God had chosen to reveal himself, his heart, his character, his desire for the world through his personal relationship with the Hebrew people, a people set apart, who were blessed to be a blessing to the world. And now through the disciples, the Holy Spirit is breaking the news that what God did through Jesus' redeeming work and his death and resurrection is his invitation to eternal relationship with himself for all people. Jesus makes us family. The promise is for you, Peter tells the crowds, gathered there for the Jewish festival of Pentecost, for your children and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord will call. And honestly, I believe in that moment, Peter didn't have any idea yet just how far the Lord would call. It takes the rest of the book of Acts to even start to reveal the scope of what Jesus' victory means for all the people of the world. And the truth is, those disciples, they couldn't know. They had never been in a situation like this before. That day, the world was changing when they were empowered to speak this message of Jesus' saving work in every language. But it's been 2,000 years since the Pentecost. And how much do we still have to learn about that love, about God's love for every person of every race, every tribe, every tongue? How much do we still have to learn about how the Holy Spirit longs to show that love to the world through us? You see, sometimes when the world changes, it takes us a while to catch up. But are we hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in our changing world about his love? In the past few days, we've seen the terrible toll of anger over injustice, and it becomes more and more clear that love must spur us to action. Love rather than hate, and action rather than inaction. In the Pentecost, the fire that was spread was the fire of God's renewing love for all people, of building together the people of every language, tribe, and tongue through Jesus' redeeming work. But the Pentecost story does show us that love leads us to move. On the Pentecost, all who were gathered together were there to celebrate a Jewish festival. They were Jewish converts from around the world, and as such, they would have understood if the message that Peter spoke was spoken only in Hebrew. So why did the Holy Spirit choose through the disciples to speak of Jesus' redeeming love in the native language of every person there? Because God didn't want them to miss the message 
that his love is personal for each and every one of them, for each of their families, for each of their hearts. God speaks their language. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In love, Jesus laid down his life at the hands of the cruelty of the human race to redeem the human race, to give us a new beginning as one family connected by his redeeming sacrifice and empowered to love one another as his Holy Spirit is sent to us. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? As we watch the news, it seems like the world has erupted, and in many ways it has. All that has been hidden has come painfully to the surface like an open wound. But you know as well as I do that it's only when a wound is revealed that it can begin to be treated and healed. So it's sometimes when the world seems at its most broken that we start to see most clearly how Jesus longs to use us to bring healing. This week isn't the first time the world seemed to change overnight. Seeing Jesus die in such violence, such inhumane treatment, devastated the disciples. They didn't understand why God would let this happen. And they were hiding in fear and horror until three days later they were shocked with the news that Jesus' tomb was empty. And somehow out of their shock, they started to remember what Jesus had said about rising again. And what they'd assumed before was just some kind of metaphor, some teaching they didn't quite get, suddenly was revealed now to be not metaphorical at all, but literal truth. The Son of Man must die and rise so that all who look on him in faith will live. So there might be hope even beyond death. As Peter said, God freed him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on him. And Jesus came to extend that promise to us as well. Death no longer gets to have the last word over one who belongs to Jesus. There is a new story being written. And the risen Jesus himself finds those disciples while they're still hiding, fearful in the upper room. And he who had died, now more fully alive than they had ever seen him, breathed on them his peace, telling them the God who made you, the Savior who redeemed you, the Spirit who empowers you is coming to show you what's next. So in this time, as you are reeling from this changing world, here is my command, wait Prepare to receive and then move. In the face of a world turned upside down, those are Jesus' commands. Wait, receive, and then you will be moved by a power greater than you. And there's so much grace in those commands because you can imagine these disciples are in uncharted territory and they absolutely know it. This is not a world they know how to navigate. After Jesus' resurrection, they knew nothing was going to look the same, but what it meant for the church, for the world, for ministry, they didn't have a clue. They knew they were going to need some serious help to know what comes next and to dare to step into it. So I'm sure they were grateful to do what he asked, to wait and to pray, once again sequestered in the upper room, but now not in fear, waiting in expectation to see what God would unfold. You see, when you're in a place you've never been, in completely uncharted territory, it's of great comfort to know you've been promised a guide. 
So they waited and they prayed and they prepared to receive. And following this day, the whole book of Acts, the whole story of the Jesus movement was unleashed through them for the world. Wait, receive, and be moved. And God's kingdom poured out into the world in a whole new way. Now, you might have noticed that we today, as the church, are also in uncharted territory. Our normal lives, our expectations, things we never thought we were even taking for granted are now all shaken up. And just like those first disciples after the cross, we might be left wondering, God, what are you doing? Where are you? What do you want us to do? What can we do? What do you want for the world? And there's a lot going on in our world that keeps us sequestered in our upper rooms and confusion over what's best, what's most loving, what's most faithful. Do we prioritize peace or protest or pandemic? Do we prioritize addressing threats to justice, threats to safety, or threats to the physical health of the vulnerable? And what if when we answer yes to all of the above, our action for one might negatively impact another? More than ever before, we need the Holy Spirit's guidance. But just as God wasn't finished with those first disciples in the days before the Pentecost, we can trust he's not finished with us either. Today, the same Lord Jesus comes to you and to me, and he finds us right where we are, confused and conflicted, and he calls to us, peace, wait, receive. First, know and remember the gospel, the good news, the saving grace, the redeeming, reconciling, forgiving, healing, renewing love of your Savior for you. Know that you are why he died and why he rose to bring all of those things into your life and to bring your heart, your neighborhood, and all people into the truth of his love for all. And the God who would send his only son to achieve that for you is not going to abandon you now. Wait. Receive. And as you receive that truth, let the Holy Spirit empower you to be his kingdom expression, to live out that truth in whatever corner of the world you are sent. Because that's what Pentecost is about. The truth, the power, the grace of Jesus' victory released into the world through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Wherever you are, there is your mission. One of our core values at Community of Grace Lutheran Church is to be the church in the world. And the Pentecost is when we first became the church in the world, the people of God, not just gathered but sent to speak what's true into every corner of humanity because Jesus' love is for all humanity. And when God chose to reveal that, it was actually part of the message, the timing of the revelation. Because Pentecost was a festival when people celebrated the harvest, God's provision for the year. It was also a day they commemorated and celebrated the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, that God provides not only what we need, but he provides a vision of the trustworthy kind of world that he wants for us, one where we love God and love people. But on this day, not only did God reveal that he had provided the law, this vision of loving God and loving people, but on this day, the Holy Spirit revealed God had also, in the victory of Jesus, poured out the power of the gospel. That where we fail to love God and neighbor, where we fail in the law, God's love stooped down to draw us in himself, 
into his embrace of forgiving, renewing grace. Our God has provided the means by which we are redeemed, Jesus, and the power to receive it in his Holy Spirit. Pentecost is his call to the whole world to come home to his love. But that call begins with Jesus' command, wait and receive. Because in this uncharted territory, it is quite possible that the things God will do through us to draw hearts to himself will look nothing like the things he used to do three months ago. In uncharted territory, we need to look to our guide, to lay down our expectations and let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do in us. How we live the love of God and love neighbor in this next chapter of our world might look different, but we can trust that his heart will always be the same. That Pentecost, the disciples were moved to speak the invitation of Jesus' redeeming love in languages they didn't even know because people of every part of the world are invited, called, welcomed, and longed for by the heart of God. That's what Pentecost is about, the provision of the harvest of God's love poured out for the world. And we as Jesus' people are called into living that message today. But nobody predicted how God would change the world at the Pentecost. And even looking back, we see God's ways as mysterious. But I think that we are in a time kind of like that today, where our world is changing. So in a time like this, more than ever, it's important for us to wait and pray and receive, God, what are you doing now? So we can be moved by him into the mission he has in mind for us now. So in this time of pandemic and protest, what do you see God doing? Let me tell you a little bit of what I see. I think that God is using this year in particular to show us what his people were meant to learn from the biblical year of Jubilee. Now, I used to think the year of Jubilee was the one of abundance, but after having looked at the scriptures more closely in Leviticus 25, I discovered it's really not about abundance, it's about trust. It's not a year that anyone makes a profit, the year of Jubilee. <laughs> it's a year where people disconnect from life as usual and go back to basics. The basics of justice, of fairness, of seeing the gift of one another's humanity, of living simply and generously, a year of trusting God to provide what's needed and to heal what has been broken. You see, the year of Jubilee was supposed to be practiced once every 50 years. And this year, the land would reset. There would be no planting or harvesting. People would eat what the land would naturally produce. All debt was to be forgiven. Indentured servants were to be released and returned to their families for a new start. Land that had been sold in those 50 years was to be returned to its original owner every jubilee, breaking the cycles of the building of riches and the building of poverty to be reset again for every generation, guaranteeing the mistakes and failures of one generation could not impact the next. Each new generation had a chance to begin again on the basis of God's promises to them alone. The year of Jubilee was God's practical plan to restore justice where he knew humanity had a tendency toward inequity. The year of Jubilee was a marked break from the lifestyle of achieving, a reset around things that were actually most important in life, loving God and loving neighbor. 
It was to be a year of personal freedom, rest, restitution of property, living simply and trusting God. But God's command to practice a jubilee year once every 50 years was such a radical one and so countercultural, unfortunately, there is no record that I could find that God's people ever actually practiced this. Sacrificing control is a hard love to choose. Leviticus 25, 18 expresses it. But how do we live if we're not planting and tending and harvesting crops? Will what God provides be enough? But the verses that follow in Leviticus 25 lay out the lessons the Jubilee year is meant to teach. Contentment with the simple things, knowing what's enough, learning to help one another, to sustain one another through this season, intentionally practicing loving neighbor in practical ways. It's a year of mercy and rediscovering the beauty of humanity. Leviticus 25, 14 says, Don't take advantage of each other, but fear the Lord your God. The Sabbath year is where both the land and the people are to take a break from the unrelenting drive toward gaining more to discover instead what grows out of relationship. A year of learning to trust the Lord and one's neighbor, trusting that at the end of the day it will be enough. Now, what I see is that 2020 has become a year of reset, whether we've chosen it or not. <laughs> it's here. What we can choose is whether we will wait and receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us to make this a year of holy reset, to move us into God's vision for what we are meant to offer the world through Jesus' love. We've never known a year where people have chosen to live this out. But up until now, in 2020, this is what I've noticed. I've seen debts being forgiven. My homeowner association voted not to charge fees this season. Evictions put on hold. Have you noticed all the stories of neighbor providing for neighbor, cleaning up neighborhoods, of people returning to family, valuing their neighbors? Have you heard the stories of the land itself being healed and refreshed, canals in Venice clearing, skies clearing? Have you heard the stories of wounds of injustice exposed and restoration beginning again? And although this will not be a year for making a profit, could it be the abundance the Holy Spirit is seeking to show us is in things of much greater eternal value? As we are forced to stop and evaluate for ourselves what really matters most, will we rediscover the beauty that God sees in our humanity as we simply love God and love neighbor? We serve a God in Jesus Christ who reset the world, and he continues to redeem and reset us by the power of his Holy Spirit. God is not finished with us yet. And Jesus' mission statement in Luke 4, coming from Isaiah 61, reminds us of his purpose Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of holy reset. So what is the Lord using this moment in history to reset in your life, in our world? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? This Pentecost, like none that I've ever known, <laughs> our whole world is crying out for hope and for peace and for healing. And I know your heart is too. But hear the good news. 
Jesus risen is here with us. And he is calling for us to wait on him to receive his power, knowing that not even death can snatch us out of his hand. And as we receive the truth of his redeeming love, let his Holy Spirit move you in his love to be a neighbor, a friend, a comforter, a provider, until all the world knows the holy reset of his grace. And on the other side of this crisis, we can see a new beginning in what really matters. Now, there's one step you can take this week as well. Starting on Wednesday, we're going to have a 24-hour prayer vigil starting at 10.30 on Wednesday to 10.30 on Thursday. Uh, and we'd love for you to sign up. Just pray in your own home or wherever you are. Uh, but if you would call into the church office, we will have uh, uh, something sent as well uh, to sign up to be in prayer. Uh, for our city, for our world, for Jesus' uh, work to be done through us as his church. We would love to have you wait on the Lord with us, to receive from the Lord with us in prayer as we wait to see how the Lord will move us in this next season. As we wait on him and receive from him, we trust that he will move us to be blessed and to be a blessing, each and every one of us from every tribe, every race, every tongue, agents of his grace. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we trust you are enough. You are savior, provider, leader, comforter. And you're leading us in love back to you, God, and back to each other. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is speaking to your church in such a time as this. Teach us to wait on you, to receive from you, to move with you, to be your church, empowered by the gospel in your spirit wherever we are. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.